In a world empowered by next generation technologies, the links between systems have become more important than ever. Welcome to The Critical Connection, a limited series podcast where we will talk to some of the most knowledgeable people in the industry in an effort to take a closer look at these vital conduits of power and data. This podcast series is a joint production of Avnet, a leading electronics component distributor, and Amphenol, a leading manufacturer of interconnect solutions, along with electronicdesign.com, your source for electronic design and engineering know-how. Today's industrial, enterprise, and warehouse ecosystems and infrastructures are changing as the industry migrates towards more automated solutions. These advanced systems will provide significant cost, performance, and safety advances at every level, but can only do so if they are deployed with the right interconnect infrastructure. Today's Critical Connection podcast will cover the trends and issues surrounding factory and warehouse automation and the considerations design engineers should have when deploying these advanced systems. Our participants today are Tyler Ramsden from Amphenol. Hey, Alex, great to be here. Jim Palillo from Avnet. And Greg Smith from Amphenol. Thanks, Alex. Glad to be here. I'm really glad to have you here as well, gentlemen. Welcome to the podcast. Let's start with you, Jim. My first question is, why are we here? What is all of this drive towards automation and robotics in the warehouses. Uh, isn't there enough labor there? You know, it, there's been a shortage of labor, actually. And, uh, and also, you know, this cost reduction benefits. And, uh, and the other thing is that it's efficiencies. They're trying, trying to in, in, in improve efficiencies within their, uh, within their infrastructure. Tyler, what are your thoughts on that? Sure, absolutely. I think uh, Jim's really hit the nail on the head there in terms of uh, efficiency is really what's driving the, uh, the move towards robotics. Um, anytime you can have a, a machine, a computer, a robot um, make decisions, um, typically they're going to go about it in a more efficient manner. They're going to save time. They're going to save money on labor costs. Um, there's going to be fewer errors and so on. Gregory? Yeah, I think one of the other aspects that's driving uh, autonomy within these various settings, whether it be warehouse or distribution center or factories, um, it, it certainly has to do with safety as well. Um, you talk about different functions being able to, different uh, error, human error, and, and really be able to uh, eliminate the safety factor as well. Alex, I wanted to add one more thing to that. You know, if you, if you look at the, uh, your experience when you uh, go into a, sh a shopping store today for groceries, the customer will go in and they'll look at the uh, meat. They'll pick what they want, the, the deli. They'll pick fish, maybe some sort of vegetables. And that's all nice because people want to touch, look, and feel that, right? But everything on the inside of the store is basically, you know, something in a box. And people buy that by brand. They don't really need to look at it. They know what they want, you know, and I don't, I don't want to name something in particular, but like potato chips or something like that. They know the brands they like to eat. If you could eliminate that and keep that all in the back room, you'd save on all that space and real estate. You also wouldn't have to have somebody take it from the back and, and keep replenishing the front. If you had bots in the back that could build the customer's order in the back room and then send it out to the customer with the meat and the dairy that they picked, 
the efficiencies of that, being able to keep track of the inventory, it, it's just tremendous. I mean, these grocery stores work on sub, you know, they're like in the one digit percentage range for, for gross profit. So any type of efficiency for them is huge. Tyler, when it comes to those aspects, safety, efficiency, um, productivity, can you think of any others that, are, that would apply? You know, really, I think uh, I think another um, benefit we haven't discussed is is the increased uptime, and that's something that um, a robotic system would would be able to enjoy that uh, a human based system wouldn't. So, um, robots can be online twenty four hours of the day, seven days a week, three sixty five days a year. Um, you don't have to worry about um, you know work shortages. You don't have to worry about breaks. You don't have to worry about holidays, any kind of interruptions, um, and that's really a benefit to to an operator if they can. Um, both run the warehouse um, 100% of the time, as well as make scheduling easier. That's a, that's a big win for, a, for an operator. Well, I would also imagine the whole automation aspect that management can do a much more granular observation of uh, the whole function of the system, right? What do you think about that aspect, Gregory? Yeah, I think, I think everything comes back to efficiency. I think, you know, when you're, when you're talking about um, all the different aspects of, you know, Tyler mentioned the, to not have breaks or, you know, different shifts. I think when you're talking about an investment an upfront investment into robotics, um, there's really a, a larger return on investment when, when you're able to have repeatable um, functions and you're able to also uh, really uh, crack down on, on different time gaps when you're working with the human aspect. Yeah, Alex, I think you make a, a great point there about the uh, the data collection, really just the incredible amount of, of information that an operator can can obtain. Um, we talk about artificial intelligence and, and machine learning. I mean, really, those are driven by um, just uh, being able to to collect a, a massive amount of data and then optimize for it, which is is something that a human operator wouldn't be able to do. So now, knowing all of this drive for automation is based on real world needs. Um, Jim, how do you see that, you know, breaking out in types of robots and application spaces where they're going to need robots? Uh, how much variation do you see happening in this space? Well, it's kind of interesting. There's some that overlap, but you, but everybody's doing this differently, but you, you might have a pick and place, you might have a bot that's gathering stuff to build a, a pallet. Uh, there might be another bot that takes that pallet and puts it onto a truck. So it's very diverse. And with that diversity comes up with diverse solutions, whereas where our Amphenol partners come into play. Speaking of Amphenol products, um, Gregory, what are, what are some of the uh, primary application places, you know, the, that the connectors are needed to ensure that these robots do what they're supposed to do. Yeah, so it's within within my group, we do a lot of the drive systems between the the, po the power from the battery to the motor. Uh, we're into a lot of the camera and lidar systems. Uh, we're into some of the battery management uh, and really the sensors too, because with with all the movement that's happening with these robots. Um, with the camera and the sensors, they have to be able to navigate throughout the warehouse floor or the factory floor uh, and really avoid collision and, and, and really know the map and the layout of, of the floor plan. 
So it's really important that these connection systems are able to support these different uh, various uh, I.O. functions. Tyler? Sure. One of the uh, areas where Amphenol is, is very strong in robotics is in the, the RF segment. Um, we see two main use cases for, for RF. Uh, the first one being wireless communication. So anytime a robot is communicating with either another robot uh, with a human operator or with uh, some kind of centralized command system, um, you're going to need RF technology and interconnect to get the signal off the robot and to some kind of centralized computer. Um, the second place where we see RF technology is in machine vision. So typically this looks like a uh, camera. Most robots will have multiple cameras for different angles, um, oftentimes using RF um, or for, for some higher frequency applications, a radar or a LIDAR system. Um, what's really uh, great about Amphenol is that there's, there's a range of, of solutions being offered. So Greg mentioned cameras, I'm talking about cameras as well, but uh, one operator might be using a coax-based RF camera Another one might be using, a, for example, a, a Ethernet or a USB-based camera. Um, and Amphenol is really a one-stop shop, regardless of, of what your specific needs are. Gregory, when you think about all of the different types of connectors and cabling and the like, because you've got power and you've got signal, what are some of the demands that you see based on the environmental situation there? I think a lot of it can really be taken back to the automotive industry, actually. There's a lot of parallels between, you know, vision systems, LIDAR, and even some of the harsh environment aspects of it as well. Um, you talk about some of these automotive-grade connections that are um, used uh, throughout the industry. It, it's also finding its way into robotics. You talk about um, shock and vibration. Uh, you have you have dust within that kind of environment. Uh, and there can even be... Um, uh, uh, waterproof. Uh, you know, you, you talk about the different products that go throughout these various warehouses, and some of them can be liquid. You have one spill, and um, you really need a connection system that's going to be able to keep all the elements out and be able to function at a high level and, and, and a harsh level as well. Jim? Yeah, to Gregory's point, we got to keep the bots safe and working. And with the Amphenol Solutions, that's that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, I'd agree with that. With both Greg and, and Jim, um, especially with that automotive parallel is a very interesting one. For example, you might have a connector that might not be submerged continuously. It might not be a marine environment, for example. But at the same time, if you, if you do have a spill or some kind of environmental factors, you have to make sure that uh, your robot will continue functioning, especially in a, a mission-critical environment where, where safety is a uh, consideration. Um, but another interesting spillover from, from automotive is that we can talk about performance of these parts, but um, at the same time, they're, they're cost effective. Um, they're easy to, to uh, manufacture and procure, um, and it's uh, relatively easy to, to install these pieces. So um, it's really uh, not just a high performance part, but also a, um, an economically viable part as well. Gregory, um, when you think about the design aspects and all, you know, coming from automotive, does it have to be changed significantly for autonomous vehicles or robotics, or is it um, a straight over carryover? Uh, well, so it's 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 a mix of both. I think in in large part, um, it's it's got some similarities to automotive in the uh, functionality, in the harsh environment, in the lidar systems. Um, but really, there's no space constraint when you when it comes to automotive. Whereas when you're talking about autonomous robots, and I'll give the example of, of one of the most common types, is, is transporting products from function to function. 
And when you're transporting, it really has to be not only a, a small density uh, due to the, the floor layout and all the other bots working within a system, uh, but it's also got to be able to uh, hold the most amount for the smallest robot uh, for the for the floor plan. Um, and, th and that allows uh, uh, also a lot more efficiency throughout the system. And so I think a lot of these solutions that we're able to provide allow them to have a smaller footprint within the robot, um, be able to consolidate some of these uh, low speed signals and, and power solutions uh, and really get a feel for for different architectures within this kind of environment. Jim, um, how do you see that crossover from automotive to uh, industrial robotics? So to Gregory's point, you know, space is definitely a consideration. And, you know, efficiency is if it's lighter, then it's it, the battery life, it lasts longer and it's, it's going to be more efficient. You can make it faster. So lighter and faster is what you should be hoping for. And automotive space is not really a constraint. So, so then having said that, uh, Tyler, what are some of the cable products that are available for the uh, robotic space that you're offering? Sure. Well, I, I agree with uh, Greg and Jim's point, especially about space being at, uh, at a premium. Um, I'd like to offer a bit of a, a counterpoint. Uh, I think there often are good solutions commercially available off the shelf. Um, we look, for example, um, in the RF environment at the FACRA product, the mini FACRA, which is coming directly from the automotive space. Um, oftentimes, that's a, it's a great solution, you know, right off the shelf, drop it in, um, and it'll work well for these, for these environments. But um, I would agree that um, what's really important for us is to understand uh, the needs of, uh, of the end user. Um, what kind of environment will this part be operating in? What use is it playing? Um, and, and on that front, we really offer a very strong um, ability to, to design custom products or hybrid solutions. Um, so, for example, um, combination of not just a RF signal, but, but maybe power or fiber as well. Uh, miniaturization, as Greg um, mentioned, um, really whatever the customer needs. Gregory? Yeah, I think um, one, one main key point to, to take into consideration is these companies that are producing robotics for these various different functions, they need to be able to be future-proof with the products that they use and the connection systems that they use because technology is constantly advancing. We're finding different ways to navigate, different ways to connect. And I think one important thing that that we have have the ability to bring to the table as well uh, alongside Avnet is the ability to not only offer the, the products for today, but also be able to adapt and be able to provide the products for, for the future, for tomorrow. Well, partnerships are critical, aren't they, Jim? Yes, they are. As a matter of fact, you know, that's what's so good about working with Amphenol. You know, when, it, when we bring them in, it's not just a partnership, they're a solution-based company. So we bring them in and, and the customer has a, you know, they'll have a, a problem and Infinol will take that and they may have a product that they have a standard on and they can say, hey, maybe we can customize this. So it's not, the, the risk on the part is very limited. And that's where you get the partnership with these guys. I mean, it's, it's such a good, good relationship. And like I said, they're solution-based. So I, I highly encourage you to work with them. IP and trust, right? That is correct. So, gentlemen, uh, we are running out of time, unfortunately. But before I let you go, I would like you to uh, leave us a 
few thoughts for the audience uh, to go on with their day. Let you go first, Tyler. Sure. I think uh, Jim made a good point about this being a solutions-based uh, company and, and, and business. Um, we're really excited about uh, robotics for, for a number of reasons. The, the technology is incredible. The applications are, are really interesting as well. And um, it's really exciting for us to be able to, to work with, uh, with Avnet, our partners there, and to understand uh, what are the needs facing the, um, the engineers, facing the, the end user of these products, and really how can we um, work together to find a solution that uh, uh, will work now and, as Greg said, into the future. Speaking of that, Greg, what are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one final thought that I'll, I'll leave you guys with is, you know, the, I mentioned earlier the, the progression of technology. Uh, these, these warehouses and factories and, and all these robotic settings in the ecosystem, it, it's, it's going to be ever evolving because they're always going to want to try to, you know, reduce things like secondary operations and be more efficient. So as the technology progresses, we just want to be able to offer the best solution possible for that given application. And really, uh, we want to focus our products not only for the for the ecosystem, but also make the inside of the robot more efficient as well. Jim. Thanks, Alex. I'd like to challenge the engineering teams out there working really hard to come up with solutions for your company. Come and challenge us. Let us help you make that solution come true. Very good. Thank you so much, gentlemen, for being here and having participated in this very interesting conversation. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. Yeah, thank you for your time, Alex. Thank you, Alex. I'd like to thank everybody out there in the audience for taking the time to participate as well. We appreciate that, too. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Critical Connection a limited series podcast exploring the links that tie together the world of next-generation technologies. This series is a joint production of Avnet, a leading electronics component distributor, and Amphenol, a leading manufacturer of interconnect solutions, along with electronicdesign.com, your source for electronic design and engineering know-how.